I tell everybody, like, look, it's not for everybody, but if you want to keep doing what everybody else does and works for 40, 50, 60 years, never really gets ahead, or you want to try something that, you know, you, you do the numbers, it works. And most of my clients, you know, they're able to get out of the rat race and then go for five to 10 years doing this type of stuff. I mean, it, it, in fact, not everybody should do it because if everybody did what I said and buy a handful of rentals and get on this path, you know, who would get our coffee? Who would design our bridges? Who would do all the all the work out there, right? Lane is totally right. Investing isn't for everyone. Who will be left to do all the work? And equally, it takes courage, determination, and consistency to become a property investor, stroke developer. Lane was an accidental investor through necessity. But he realized if he repeated the process, he could leave the corporate rat race. And that's exactly what he did. I have to say that I really wish I had that opportunity when I was younger. Or rather, had the education and the understanding. Lane's story is fascinating. And so is his offer for education for us, his podcast and all of his free resources. Have a listen and go and check out his simple passive cash flow blueprint. Enjoy. Staying Alive UK. Share your story. Hi, Lane. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. Aloha, everybody. Hawaii. <laughs> That's great. And you're, you're officially my first Hawaiian guest so thank you yeah yeah no problem i have been there many 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 years ago honolulu and uh, i loved it yeah it was beautiful and there was a hurricane that came there whilst i was there uh, a hurricane landed it actually just missed honolulu um, and it went to a different island instead, but we still felt the the storm quite heavily. Okay, was it? It wasn't Hurricane Lane, was it? Hurricane Lane? <laughs> no, wasn't no. that one? No, it wasn't. That <laughs> We've one. been on a good streak. L lots of missed us lately. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, thank you for staying up so late as well. I realised it's quite late with you, so I appreciate it. Um, I ask one question to get things going with all my guests, and that is, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, where were you born? Have you moved around? A um, bit about your education, share whatever you'd like, and then your first job and career. And then, yeah, then we'll get into how you got into what the amazing things you're doing right now. So over to you, Lane. Yeah, so... Grew uh, born in California, grew up in Hawaii. Uh, got grew up in a, like a middle class family. You know, education was kind of told to be a very important part. Um, also, grew up in a very frugal family. Right? We weren't yeah. we weren't rich, but we weren't poor. Um, eventually, went to college at the University of Washington for engineering. Beats me why I chose engineering, maybe because I happened to be okay at math and science through high school. And right. I, I looked up Google and 
what the best salaries were without having to get a master's or a doctorate degree in engineers or kind of high up there. So yeah, I went down this path and uh, started working. Didn't really like my engineering job and just um, again following this like linear path I call right like where we're all kind of mm. taught to do the same things: go to school, study hard, get a good job, invest in retirement plan, buy a That's house it. to live in. And then I started to and buy a pot of house to live in and then started renting it out. And that was where I kind of got off that linear path and started to invest in real estate. But what what made you so when you studied as an engineer, what was the goal after you did that? I mean, to to work in a My company? Goal, I don't know, man. The goal was to just get a job, get right. a salary, you know. I don't know. I wasn't here to change the world, man. I was just just trying to trying to get by you know yeah <laughs> you know not work as a construction worker or you know something that i, I could use part of my brain and yeah get paid pretty well that was the goal <laughs> and what um when you said you bought your first property and then you said you rented it out i mean why did you not live in it yeah, so I, I was working on the road a lot of times, you know, as most young professionals are, you know, they're usually the person sit out on the road. Um, I was only home maybe on Saturday, part of Sunday. So it's kind of silly to have this big house for me all by myself. So, you know, this is long, this is back in 2009, 2010, long before they had Turo or all these, you know, these apps where you could rent like yeah. your car or your place. Um, and just, I just saw that as a kind of a waste, and then I st then I got a renter in there, and it, I was realized, wow, I was making a lot of money doing this mm. type of stuff. And if I just did this a few more times, I'd be able to fire my boss and eventually escape the rat race that we all call it. And um, started to you know realize that the first rental probably wasn't the greatest because it was in a high priced area. Mm. And today, you know, we kind of invest more for cash flow, so properties that you know hit this one percent rent to value ratio is what we kind of look for so the monthly rents divided by the purchase price have to be one percent higher so that we cash flow yeah yeah and what okay so i'm curious where did you live then if you bought a property rented it out was on the road a lot did you just live in hotels or did you live with your folks or what happened ah yes very observant of you so i did just lived off the company dime for a few years there um probably able probably able to save almost 100 grand every year but instead of you know just blowing the money i put it right to buying more down payments for additional properties the coming years right and who taught you this? I mean, did you just look at YouTube videos? Or, I mean, how old were you again when you started doing um, this? You know, that was, that was 2009. So that was in my early 20s. I mean, you know, mm. once you get going, it's not that difficult, right? Uh, but likely, you know, your friends, family, parents haven't done this type of stuff. Mm. So I started to devour you know, podcasts, you know, listen to, watch, read a few books. Yeah. Um, but you know, the way I did it, you know, passive real estate investing, you know, we're not, we're not wholesalers or flippers or doing any of that active risky type of real estate activities. I'm just a buy and hold investor. Um, and part of it is just 
employing property managers to do kind of all my dirty work for me. You know, yes. like I today I have over six thousand rental properties, and I don't know how to do an eviction, right? I don't know how to fix toilets or do all this type of stuff. We hire professional property managers to do all that stuff for us, and part of that is to buy the properties right, where you can support paying them to yeah. come the income. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, I, I've so many questions come up in my head that kind of, you know, when did you realize when 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 was the moment that you said, "This is a real business for me. I don't need to have a nine to five or eight till six or eight till eight job anymore. I I can, you know, do this on my own and have a regular income from that." Yeah, I mean, the first in a few months, it was kind of like, wow, it was nice having this beer money coming in. And and then I started to realize how repeatable it was. I mean, what I was doing was really nothing special. Mm. I mean, people can go to my website, download my free analyzer and kind of start to learn how to do this stuff by yourself. I mean, it's not rocket science. You, yeah. you, you put something for rent, your property, oh, your property manager does that for you, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you, you pay pretty much, you know, expenses that come in, like the, you know, things will break, um, that your property manager will hire somebody to fix, um, you'll pay the property manager, you know, you might have some vacancy here or there, but for the most part, it, it was pretty um, routine for the most part. Mm. And you know, this is where I start to, you know, the wheels start to turn, right? When you start to make money, especially when you put the very little effort into the whole operation. And that was where I kind of realized, well, I was kind of limited to how much money I could save, right? If I wanted, if I, if I had it my way, I'd buy a gazillion properties, right? But yeah. I was limited to how much capital I had, which sure. I could save from my day job. So the way it worked is, you know, every $30,000 I saved up, that was a down payment for, typically we buy, you know, $100,000 per property that runs for $1,000 a month, you know, about yeah. that 1% rent to value ratio. And, you know, that maybe went by for a couple of years. But after a couple of years, I was like, wow, this is a real reality where it's not going to take me 30, 40 years. It's going to take me less than a decade to get to where I really want to be. Mm. And then the sky's the limit from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's still curious, though, because you've got to have some courage, haven't you? You've got to kind of go, yeah, I can do this. I've got enough knowledge. It sounds to me like you almost had no fear in the beginning. Is that right? Yeah, well, I mean, part of it is just, you know, running the numbers, right? When you look at that spreadsheet and you have the vacancy, repairs, FX, different expenses that come by, you start to realize that, well, things can go wrong and you're still going to have money at the end of the month, every month. Yeah, yeah. Really, what can go wrong here, right? I, I mean, you kind of see the upside if you get lucky mm. and you don't have things that break on you. Yeah. And yeah, it is, a lot of this is just getting out of your comfort zone. Um, buying your first property is the hardest one. But yeah. then once you buy one, you buy a handful. And then you know what the crazy thing is your your finances get a lot more robust. Mm. You know, it, it you're out of yeah, out of three properties, you're gonna have one bad one. 
every year, yeah. more than likely. But that's why you buy more than one. You yeah. start to build a portfolio and diversify yourself over the one mishap, the one problem property. And yeah, I mean, I tell everybody like, look, it's not for everybody, but if you want to keep doing what everybody else does and works for 40, 50, 60 years, everybody gets ahead. Or you want to try something that, you know, you, you do the numbers, it works. And most of my clients, you know, they're able to get out of the rat race and they're for five to 10 years doing this type of stuff. Mm. I mean, it, it, in fact, not everybody should do it because if everybody did what I said and buy a handful of rentals and get on this path, yeah, you know, who would get our coffee, who would design our bridges, who would yes. do all the, all the work out there, right? Yeah, that's you know, right. If, if you gave people financial freedom, most people wouldn't do jack out there. Let's be mm. honest. Mm. Yeah, there's, there, there has to be. I'm, I'm always interested to learn from people who have built a successful business and an income. You know what, what inspired them to get started with it. And it kind of sounds with you that you, okay, something must have inspired you. I'm sure you're going to tell me, but I mean, you almost like fell into it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was sort of an accidental landlord, right? Like I just kind of mm. haphazardly, I mean, yeah. it wasn't like I bought the property with the idea to rent out from the beginning. No. That kind of just came about it. Um, but what I did realize is like the places that I needed to invest in were not local to where I was. It was like thousands of miles away. Right. And that was a large step, but that had happened after I got the proof of concept with the whole, Hey, renting out this box to people. Yes. Um, then, you know, kind of going back to your other question, I mean, the inspiration, I mean, there always needs to be some kind of pain point, right? A reason for you to do what you're going to do, getting off the beaten path. Yes. Um, if I had a gazillion dollars or I made $600,000 a year, I probably wouldn't be as motivated to try something different. Mm. But I mean, at my, my day job as an engineer, I make good money doing it. I had, I had money to spend, Yeah, but I realized I didn't want to do that for several decades. Yeah. You're on the cool thing about, being an engineer is, you know, we're good at spreadsheets and Excel. Yes. Yes. We're not dummies. You know, I know where this, this train is going. It's just, it's a math, right? You make X amount, it grows at the poultry five to 7% in the retail type of investments yes. that where everybody's getting their money stolen from them and their sleep with all these hidden fees and carried interests. Yeah. I mean, you know where your, what your net worth is going to be and your cash flow is going to be during X date. And it, it's it's a it's a no brainer, right? When you mm. compare it with buying rental properties on your own, yeah, kind of doing it on this path. Yeah, I mean, it is not obvious to most people because we are all conditioned to believe that we need to get an education, we need to be good at the education, and once we've educated, we've got to go to university, college, get a degree and then get a good job with a high salary and then the big house and the 2.4 children or whatever the statistic is and then a retirement fund and then play golf at the weekend 
or play tennis or, you know, it's just a kind of routine and then retire at whatever age, which obviously is getting later and later now. So it isn't obvious to people because we don't get taught this stuff at school. You know, we, we get taught at school that get an education and get a job. So how are you changing that now? So are, are you teaching others to do the same that you're doing right now? Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the mission is like what I realized. There's a lot of hardworking professionals like when I like how I was that you're misled down this lie of go to school, study hard. I mean, I think you still need to do that, right? You need to make money to invest in real estate. And for yeah. most of my clients, a lot of doctors, lawyers, engineers, accountants, nurses, dentists, the job is going to be the best way that they can trade time for money. Everybody's yeah. trading time for money until you hit a certain critical mass point, you know, maybe three to $5 million net worth where you can really stop working and have your money working harder for you. But until mm -hmm. you reach that point, you have to figure out what your highest and best use is. And if you're a doctor, well, if you don't like it, suck it up. You got to just go and do it because that's the best way you're going to make money. But mm. It's important to invest in the right things. And what was frustrating to me is like most people are kind of misled down retail investments put out by, by Wall Street type of investments where you know, it's these large brokerages that are essentially taking all this money in terms of hidden fees. Yeah. Um, there's gouging investors and where investors are taking all the risks, but they're, they're giving up a lot of the returns to yeah. the, the big Wall Street company. I mean, how else do they have these high executive salaries in big buildings? Yeah. 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 And I mean, when I was, when I was starting out, I mean, just with a little paltry rental property. Mm. I mean, I was making like 20, 30% returns on my money every, you know, every month or every year. Um, you know, people don't believe me. They can go to my website, simplepassivecash.com slash returns. I do a little whiteboard exercise kind of when I show the numbers. Yeah. But then I looked at my retirement funds, supposedly growing at six to 8% there. I was like, why the heck would I want to do that when I can just yeah. do this? And that was where I kind of realized what a whole sham it all was. Yeah. Yeah. And no one ever takes a lot of time to expose that either. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that going on in the world. I mean, as we're speaking right now, in the last couple of days, we've had this million page uh revelation called pandora papers showing how people are you know using <laughs> supposedly legally <laughs> funds and hiding it away in tax havens and things and which has been going on for years of course um so lane um what what so your business today, are you spending all of your time managing all of these properties or do you have a team employed to do that for you? I know you say you, ha you have people managing it for you, but what, what is your day job? What does it look like? What does it look like? What do you have to do every day? Um, well, I kind of have two sides of my business. We have the coaching and education side where we 
also do a podcast for free for folks. Yeah. Um, and then we also have the operations side. I mean, a lot of that, the, the day-to-day management is done by the property managers at each property and then the handyman staff associated with them. But there's also another management layer on top of that. And kind of our role is more of the asset manager in charge of the, the individual property managers. And if there is a director role there too. Yeah. So just explain that a little bit more. So what when you say the asset management, so what, what does that involve? Well, it means if there's no problems, I don't do anything, right? Right. But at the, at the end of the day, if they're not hitting their key performance indicators, such as you know rents collected, rent yeah. increases that we're desiring, um, are they getting the, the construction projects completed in a timely fashion so they can get the, the units make ready turned for the next yeah. tenant. Now those are the things that we'll kind of manage. And sometimes they may they may ask, well, do we want to turn these units or do we just want to fill them? Right. When we turn units, we can increase the rents, right? We we yeah. usually go in with some kind of a value add strategy uh, with our properties. You know, we're we're improving it over time to bump that and net operating. But, you know, I mean, for the most part, you hire good teams and, you know, especially with that extra management layer, the director level, I mean, real estate is sort of a easy business to run. Right. It's, it's a commodity. They're not making any more of it. Um, and we kind of cater towards the lower middle class, right? It's like the majority of the population. Yes. Okay. And then on tell us a little bit about your podcast. What what happens on that? Yeah, so I originally started my podcast back in 2016. Um, I was still buying single family homes back then. So I kind of started it as a way to kind of just teach people how to buy rental properties, especially the remote ones where you never really see it, touch it, feel it. Um, a lot of people back then were asking me, well, how do you buy all these rental properties? You don't even visit it. You know, you don't even you're not even going there. <laughs> How are you doing that? Right. Yeah. And then, you know, all the questions ensue and you know, there's a little bit to it. It's not super complicated, but then as, as I become, as I became more of an accredited investor, started to join different masterminds, get around higher net worth investors, I started to realize how the wealthy invested. And that was kind of where I started to transition into private placements and syndications and where I really started to get a glimpse of how the wealthy did things that were very different from you know, what I thought was the way to do things in my twenties. Um, you know, they, they, the wealthy and yes, they invest in real estate and they go into value add projects, but they also include you know, the tax advantage strategies. Yeah. And then they also do a thing called infinite banking, where if you ask most people about infinite banking and it's essentially whole life overfunded insurance, you ask most people about that or Dave Ramsey or the gurus about it, they'll say it's a scam. But the way the wealthy do it, it's still the same thing, but configured very differently than how normal people will figure it or what they're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, it's just another example of how the wealthy do things very differently than the average person. But it's not something that the average person can't do. And that was kind of where the whole premise of simple passive cash flow came, right? It's it's not that the stuff is that hard or out of reach of the average person. You just mm. have to 
kind of apply the strategies that the wealthy do and apply to your portfolio and your taxes and your kind of your legacy plan. And to get the financial freedom and beyond is actually very simple. And it mm-hmm. takes some time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a get rich quick thing, but it is very simple and a repeatable process, which we kind of um, teach to clients today. And so do you have guests on the podcast or is it just you speaking, teaching uh, we'll people? Have some, we'll have some guests from time to time, but for the most part, I mean, we, we have coaching calls. Um, I'll do a lot of monologues. And lately we've been, you know, tailoring a lot of the, the, the guest speakers to more people that will do added services for high net worth people. I mean, like I said, it's pretty simple to get financially free. Yeah. Um, the, the tricky part is like, what do you do when you get there? Right. So <laughs> we'll try and spice in a little bit some of the soft subjects that people eventually will get to that point where that is, becomes more pertinent than just, you know, getting money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, um, is there an ongoing kind of continued professional development for you as well? I mean, do you keep learning about this stuff? Of course, of course, Mm. because I mean, one of the biggest things is taxes here in America, and I'm sure across the world, it changes every six months to 12 months as Congress changes, the presidency changes, different bills are put into place. It's a constant moving battle. Best practices constantly change, which is why I created my mastermind group with other high net worth investors and we try and find ways to hack the system and Mm. it is it comes from your peer group of other peers that are kind of along the same path as you yeah and you know a lot iron sharpens iron is the same goals right oh that's cool (laughs) so tell us about your mastermind groups how do they work well is that something that you've set up through your company or you're part of other groups or yeah, I've, I've been in multiple mastermind groups. So I've kind of tailored what I felt like was the best thing for kind of my tribe. A lot of people that join our group are very busy there and they make multiple six figures and they have families mm. on the side. Um, you know, they can't dedicate, they're not business owners. They're just employees or, or successful business owners. And this financial hacking, financial independence hobby that they have is is more of like a, you know, they're trying to find that minimum effective dose. And the minimum effective dose is like, what's the bare minimum they can do to get the maximum benefit yes. from? Yeah. And that's that's the whole premise behind simple passive cash flow, right? So right. within the group, you're able to find, you know, who do you invest with, right? Because you're trying to find private operators to invest with and more importantly, who to stay away from. Because when you deviate off the beaten path, mm. you got to be careful that you work with honest people. Yes. Not shysters. Um, <laughs> the next big thing is the tax and the legal. You know, we, we kind of um, cultivate best practices and we have like a little list of, you know, professionals to work with. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it comes through, you know, we, we do a lot of it virtually. Um, and a lot of it comes through like, the breakout rooms, you know, with a few handful of people. A lot of it's the relationships. Yeah. Um, there's a saying that ne- your network is your net worth. Yes. I think it's so much more truer when your net worth gets over a million dollars network. Right. right. And then you can kind of talk and everyone's got strong networks. 
they've got the means to make things happen. Mm. And, you know, I, I think it makes a very eclectic group of people that, you know, it's most masterminds for business operators are for operators, right? But there, there's very little options for people who are busy already. And with a very small amount of time, want to maximize their finances. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot there that you're doing as well as investing. And, and tell us a little bit more about the education side of it. Um, education is separated in a couple of cohorts. I mean, when you're starting out, your net worth is under, I'd say, half a million dollars. To me, yeah. I think the, the game plan is to invest in rental properties on your own. So I've created an incubator group where there's an e-course on how do you remote invest, buy little rental properties, get a property manager, get a lender, go to the due diligence and the operations part of that. Now, once you've acquired a, maybe a few rental properties, gotten your net worth over half a million or got into accredited investor status, you know, the game kind of changes. You, you don't want to own rental properties. They're not quite scalable. And I learned this when I had 11 rental properties back in 2015. I had maybe three, $300 come from every property, so $3,000 a month of passive cash flow. But that's nowhere near what you need to be able to be financially independent. No. Um, you need more like instead of 10 properties, you need 30 properties. And with to give some people some insights, what is it like to own 10 properties? And I had maybe an eviction or two every year, some kind of big catastrophe that happened every quarter. No, not a big problem because the property manager takes care of a lot of those headaches for me. But you know, if I needed $10,000 of passive income, you'd multiply that exception rate by three. And you can quickly realize how unscalable owning little rental properties are, which is why most accredited investors will kind of skip into going into private placements and syndications, whether they're the passive LP partner, they don't need to make any management decisions. They're just, they just sit back, relax. The LP position is a passive partner. They're not limited partner. They're not the managing member and they don't get any debt in their own personal name. Instead, the debt goes in the general partner's names. Right. So there's a whole uh, education series that we have. It's a, it's packaged up in a little eight to 10 hour e-course. Right. Um, if people want to check the free version, they go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash syndication. Or if they're more interested in the, you know, the remote rental, they're trying to getting started, I would check out simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. Turnkey. Right. So there's two routes then, basically. You're saying you can go and do it on your own, which is the harder way of doing it, or you can go into this syndication group. Is that right? Right, right. The, the, so the thing about the syndication groups here kind of requires you to build networks with other people, play nice right. with others. Yeah. Um, and then this, the turnkey side, the guys starting out, I mean, don't get me wrong, you still need twenty to $30,000 for a down payment. Yeah. Um, so people in our group, you know, they're mostly high paid professionals, good with their money. Yes. Right? I mean, if you're, if you're in credit card debt, you can't seem to spend or save more than you spend. Um, you know, I, I would say check out our basic e-course at simplepassivecastle.com slash basic. And that was kind of more of a way to kind of give back to society. I mean, nobody teaches us the, even the basics of financial literacy, no. like keeping a budget and things like that. So no. I, I created that e-course there for people for free. Oh, cool. That That's really, I mean, 
I think that's really, really important, you know, for people to even kind of understand because, I mean, I remember when, you know, I was employed for a long time and I was earning a really good salary compared to my peers and I was living in a big property and I had nice holidays. I even had a property in Florida. I used to go there about three times a year. Wasn't able to rent it out, so I couldn't even get an income from it, bizarrely, uh, because those were the terms. But I had no money left at the end of the month to do anything with. You know, the money just used to go, and it was a big lesson for me to, you know, understand what I was I spending it on. I mean, times have changed since then, but even so, it's you're right. Lots of people are not good with money and they spend it on stuff. I mean, you were fortunate by that first property. I go back to that. You like fell into it and were able to save money or you were sensible enough at a very young age because you were very young when you started. You're still really young. Um but you were able to decide, no, I want to save the money and do something with it. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would say 95, 99% of people aren't very good with their money and they should, they should check out that basic e-course. Yes. Think. Yeah. But the people that we work with, they're the people who, you know, max out their 401ks or retirement plans, diligent yeah. savers. Yeah, uh, the the advice going out to those people is very different than going out to the masses. Yes, like, I you know I for most of our group, I'm not a big fan of them buying their primary residences. I don't think people should buy their primary residence until their net worth is two to three times greater than what the house worth. Mm. Um, but if you're like most people who you know aren't very good with money. Buying a house to live in is a good force piggy bank. For that reason alone, I would probably recommend that most people go buy a house. But if you're good with your money, like I said, it's better to not buy a house to live in, but invest in real estate or invest in assets that produce more money for you. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So tell me what how can people learn more about You've you've mentioned some of the courses, but what? I mean, f f okay. Before I ask that question, let me ask a different question. What is your plan going forward? What what would you like to achieve? How many properties do you do you have right now? Did you say? Um, right now, we're around six thousand units. We, we, we buy apartment complexes these days, or two to four hundred units at a time. Right. Um, just keep them up. Picking up more properties is kind of the game plan for now. I mean, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It seems to be working, you know. I mean, yeah. And do, and do you see yourself retiring at any stage? <laughs> um, no. I mean, for me, it's you know, like what I like about the podcasts and the website is it kind of it helps a lot of people, right? I mean, yeah. People, people were doubting the system. They're you know they they say, well, you know, I didn't. When my CPA told me to invest in my retirement plan as a way to save taxes, I kind of 
him then hard over it. And finally, simple passive cash flow tells me that it's all BS. You know, and this stuff makes so much sense. Like we're mm. kind of the beacon light of truth out there for people right. willing to listen. Um, and and for me, like you know, like being able to be that one person that model for people to say, "Look, this guy did it a little bit differently. Mm. He bucked the trend, but his arms and legs didn't blow off doing this. He didn't die doing this stuff. In fact, he got he found financial independence and then some very yes. quickly." Um, maybe, maybe I can do it, but let me run the numbers first, right? Let me, let's, let's go with the, what the numbers say. And that's what I tell everybody, but do the math yourself. The math will tell you what to do. Mm. I mean, when you start to invest in real estate, you're making money four ways, capital, um, the mortgage pay down that your tenants working for you because they're putting in their sweat equity to pay down your mortgage, the tax benefits, the appreciation and the monthly cash flow. I mean, it, it, it's probably four times, five times better than what you're getting in the retail investment market. But it's uphill battle that I have, right? Because the retail investment market wants you to just blindly put your money with them so they mm. can keep making their fees and pay their pay their rent on their big fancy corporate buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> but we find we 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 kind of attract a cool a cool cat. It's a it's a fun eclectic group, and it's therefore it's been fun, and that's a lot of the people that are kind of behind me that kind of come up to our little financial fanatic um, friendsgivings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see some photographs of people and you standing in front of a kind of group of people speaking with a microphone. So what what are these? Are these your mastermind groups, or you speaking at events, or? Yeah, various events. I mean, like what we try and do is, um, or at least when I was starting out investing, it's, it's you know, meeting other people, right? So we try and create the events that, you know, really put the put the emphasis on the investors there. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll do a little speaking in front of everybody, but, you know, a lot of my teaching is, you know, through Zoom or, you know, it's already free on the website. Yeah. Some classic cash flow. I mean, the events are more centric around, you know, let's get you guys smaller groups so you can get to know each other. It's, let's start the transfer of knowledge back and forth and start the relationship building. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So I, I can clearly see, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, simplepassivecashflow.com. Is there anywhere else that you would like people to go and check you out and connect with you or? What would um, you if you guys like podcasts, um, check out the Simple Passive Cashflow Passive Real Estate Investing Podcasts. Okay. iTunes, Google Play, etc. Yeah. Okay. Anywhere else? Um, no, that's it. SimplePassiveCashflow.com. I try to stay off social media. It's got the website. Uh, good advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good advice. Yeah. It's, it's uh, as as we witnessed in the last kind of twenty four hours. You know, Facebook is not uh, <laughs> always that uh, operable <laughs> as they were down for six hours. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, one question I didn't ask you, just in terms of these six thousand properties and growing, are they all in the United States? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we focus on the United States because, quite frankly, there's the best rent to value ratios out there. 
Right. Um, and you know the the rent to value ratios drives the thesis behind cash flow. Right? We're cash flow investors, um, and many people outside of the United States that I've talked to, I mean, they say America, you can't really beat in terms of the rent to value ratios and cash flow, and yeah. also, you know, the we have a pretty decent legal system where when you own something, you really own it, right? Um, yeah. As opposed to some of the more second third world countries out there um we also kind of focus more on the the, the politically uh, right states where landlord laws are on our side and where there's good economic growth so we'll, we'll pick a lot of places in america like arizona texas alabama georgia places like that right we'll stay away from places like boston new york los angeles seattle hawaii Right. <laughs> Crazy. Whilst you're in Hawaii, you're avoiding Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you live where you want for that. You know, you might be UK for you guys, but you invest yeah. where the numbers make sense. Yeah. Cool. Lane, it's been amazing. So is there anything that I haven't asked that I should have done that you wanted to share with people or have we covered most of it? I think we've covered most of it. Yeah, if you guys are interested, check out the podcast and civilpassacastle.com. But thanks for having me. Thank you very much indeed. And thanks for staying up so late. I really appreciate it. And uh, take care. I'll be in touch. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, and share at will. I'm always looking for more listeners and guests. So do get in touch, please. You can find me pretty easily by searching for Staying Alive UK. Thank you. Staying Alive UK. Share your story.